0: Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube But ultimately, you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. We're going to continue our series today on uh, Cover to Cover. And we are in the book of Revelation as Scott was saying last week. We're going to kind of pause for a few weeks in Revelation and talk about that throughout the next uh, month. And today I want to talk to you about uh, from Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. When I grew up in the church as a young person, we heard a lot of sermons about the end times. And a lot of times it was just kind of scary uh frightening and you'd come home from school and if your mother wasn't home you'd think oh no the rapture took place and i've been left behind and there is a big emphasis on on the very soon coming of christ and the the imminency of the rapture of the church i think over the years we've kind of drifted away from that we don't talk about it like we used to and i think in recent times as we've seen Uh, The world really going through what seems to be a real season of chaos and upset and, you know, the war in Ukraine and pandemic and the financial problems and political issues around the world. I think a lot of people are thinking a lot more about end times, prophecy, and, and it causes us to kind of say, well, is this it? Well, that's not the first time that the church has gone through this. I understand during World War II that many people were surmising that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. And and so we go through these times, but I think it is important for us to be mindful of the fact that Jesus did say, I'm coming soon. And that was some 2,000 years ago. A lot of time has passed since then. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that he is indeed coming soon. So when we look at Revelation chapter 22 verse 7 it says I am coming soon blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy in this book And that's good incentive for us to study the book of Revelation There's a blessing that's actually promised to us Revelation reveals God's future plans for us and ultimately when you read through it Christ wins good prevails and evil is ultimately destroyed. Now, Revelation shows us that Jesus is victorious, that he is absolutely trustworthy, that there's victory coming. And it's certain, even though there's chaos and confusion and evil and hatred and sin in this world, everything is going to be set right when Jesus returns. Now, today I want to talk to you about John's writing in Revelation Uh, to the seven churches. Now last week Scott talked about John's authorship of this book and and where we were historically. If you didn't get it, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. But the letters to the seven churches were in Asia and really the area is now known as, as Turkey. And John had a relationship with these seven churches. And because of that, he addressed the situations in each one of these churches. Actually, Jesus addresses the situation in each of these churches as he speaks through John, as John writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. See, John John cared about these churches. He knew these churches, and he wanted the best for them. And each of these these letters are not to be read in in such a manner that we say, well, that was for another time, that was for another group of people. But I think that we can read each of these letters and see that they're relevant, that they apply to us today, that that we can glean from them, that we can learn from them. So let's look at the messages to the churches and realize that, that this is God's word to us. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will will awaken something in each and every one of us that we would feel spurred on and challenged and encouraged and and enlightened as we live for Jesus Christ. Let's talk first of all about the church in Ephesus. Now there were some good things that he had to say about the church in Ephesus that he commended them for their hard work, their perseverance, their purity and their intolerance of of false teachers and and their tireless efforts. Revelation chapter uh, two really talks about this. And, and and if you could you could if you could say that this was a performance review for how they were doing, it was a really good performance review. However, they weren't perfect. See, Jesus says you've lost your first love. He says consider how far you've fallen. And there's a warning for us that. We can become weary in well-doing. When our activity for Jesus becomes just activity, it just becomes religious and religion and and doing good, instead of it being an expression of love and passion for Jesus. And the advice that that he would give us is, is to work on our relationship, to rediscover the passion, the zeal, the love that we could have for Jesus. So that's what he says to church in Ephesus. And then there's a church in Smyrna, second one. And the good that these guys were doing was was that they were people who had endured persecution. They'd been slandered. They were living in poverty. And Jesus says to them, you are going to suffer. You're going to go through persecution. And the encouragement to this church is be faithful even to the point of death. He says, don't give up. I'm going to give you the victor's crown. Well, what do we glean from that today? Well, there are times in our lives when our experience with God is not going to be positive. It's going to be full of suffering. You're going to look around and you're going to see other people doing well while you're suffering. And the temptation that we can have is to to give up, to get angry at God, to blame God, to become jealous of other people, to become resentful, and even to lose hope. You know, when we when our kids were were quite young, we we went through a, a, a time in our own lives where we just experienced some major setbacks in life and health and finances and 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 in ministry and in just in every part of our lives. We were just hurting. We ended up moving to another city and having to start all over and leaving a church behind that we really loved, people that we really loved. And so we were grieving also the loss of of relationship and, and, and close intimacy with, with these godly people that, that we just grew to love. And it was hard. It was dark. But you know, it was interesting that as we came out of it, we saw God's hand in all of it. We saw how he had walked with us and, and how he had used what seemed to be a time of absolute destruction to be a point of of. Of restoration to be a turning point in our lives where God was preparing and equipping us for for an even greater and richer experience in ministry and in life and and in being able to help other people and Jesus says you're gonna get the victor's crown don't give up and then there's Pergamum and there's, there's good that, uh, that John has to say about the church in Pergamum. See, he says, you guys are surrounded by evil, and yet you've remained true to Jesus. And even under the threat of death, you have been faithful. But then there's this warning, and it's, it's kind of strange that, that this would go along with, with the good, and you know what the warning was? He says, you guys are strayed away from sound doctrine. You have become tolerant. you become accepting of, of sinful practices and sexual immorality has crept in among you. Now, the truth of this is that the follower of Jesus should think different about sin than the one who doesn't follow Jesus. And the challenge that he gives to the church in Pergamum is, is repent change your ways don't keep going down that road well where do we see this in the church today i think the church in canada is facing the same kind of risk we are living in a very rapidly changing culture where good is called evil and evil is called good and the bible says woe to them who do those things and the church risks the the uh, the possibility of losing its influence and power when we stop being salt and light in this world. Well light, light uh, turns darkness to day. It takes lies and, 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 ex- and, and brings truth, the truth of the gospel. The light of the church the light of the gospel the light of your life is Jesus and we are to be lights in a world full of darkness now the Bible also tells us that we are to be salt and we we know that when the Bible says when when the salt loses its saltiness it's just thrown away Salt in the days of, of Scripture was, was used to preserve things, to preserve food. To, they didn't have refrigeration like we have today, and it would keep things from going rotten or, or rancid. And, and we all know that salt takes bland food and, and, and brings out the taste. But when we lose our saltiness, when we just blend in, when the church becomes just part of the decay of the world, We actually cease to have a reason to exist. There are churches that are closed down around this country. And I would say that in most cases, they've lost their reason to exist because they they no longer shone the light and they lost their saltiness. They were no longer a preserving force in this world, a force for good in this world. They just blended in. And when we just blend in, we're thrown aside. And so that was, that was the message to the church to, to be light, to be salt, to cast away uh, darkness and be light in a dark world. And then there's Thyatira, another church that John addresses. And he talks about their good deeds. He talks about the fact that of their love, of their faith, of their servants' service, and their perseverance. Now, the bad was he says you tolerate this woman Jezebel, and it says you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, and eating food sacrificed to idols. So those are big issues back then. So who was this person? Who was this Jezebel? She was a person of influence in the church. She was a self-proclaimed prophet and she would talk about probably secret things. Like, I've got this special knowledge and, and Jesus actually refers to this as Satan's secrets. She seems to have this superior knowledge and people would probably sit under her teaching and she would influence them. But in the background, She was very tolerant of sin, and her influence was was an immoral influence over the church. And there is a call to the church to be discerning, to to test, to approve, to remain pure. And today, we we oftentimes refer to, to people like that as having a Jezebel spirit, where they may have an air of spirituality. But when you get to know the individual, they're prideful. There's a sense of superiority and they may oftentimes be actually very divisive causing spiritual damage in the church by their actions and by their words all the while appearing to be spiritual. And so this is something that we always have to be aware of and it happens in the church today. I've seen it. I've dealt with it and most of us will at some point or another. Well then we also have the church in Sardis. Now, they had a good reputation of, of being alive. Well, what does an alive church look like to you? Well, I think of an alive church, I'm going to walk in there and go, wow, this place is, is really hopping. It's exuberant. The, it's, it's growing. It's, it's vibrant. There's good worship. And, and maybe there's even more things happening. You've got great programs and great ministries. And wow, look at these facilities. Everything's just, just hopping here. But the thing that was lacking is Jesus says, but you're dead. See, the Spirit sees the church, sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in this case, the Lord says, your deeds are unfinished. There were many in the church who were caught up in the excitement, but personally, they were spiritually dead. And they were unaware that they were actually completely spiritually asleep. And their lives were actually soiled. And the concern was that they were spiritually lost. And the challenge that is given is to experience Jesus, to experience him personally, to experience him intimately, and to experience him consistently. You know, we're not saved by association with a lively, active, growing church. We're not saved just because we're there. No, the challenge is is to be spiritually alive, to be passionate in relationship, passionate in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's gotta be personal. It can't just be something you do with other people, but it's gotta be personal, your relationship with Jesus. And then he talks to the church in Philadelphia and he says, you have little strength. You're not a very strong bunch of people. You're, you're, maybe it was just a little wee church. I don't know. But he says, you've kept the word. You've kept to the word. You've been faithful to the truth. And they patiently endured. And you know what Jesus says to them? He said, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. That's a word of hope for them. Hang on. I'm coming back. I'm coming soon. What a wonderful word of encouragement for us today. Do you feel weak? Do you feel insignificant? Hang on. Jesus says I'm coming soon. I'm coming for you. We need Jesus. We we need to remain faithful to him. We need to hold on because he's coming soon. And then finally he talks to the church in Laodicea. He says, I know your deeds. But he says, you're neither hot nor cold. He says, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Honestly, I think this is one of the conditions that probably endangers us more than just about any of the other conditions that have been talked about in the other six churches. I think this is a big challenge for us because things are are such in our country where you can identify as a Christian, but it can be fairly effortless. We can be fairly lazy in our Christianity and that will inevitably lead to lukewarmness. Our Christianity can be very bland, very tasteless very boring and very powerless, without any sense of passion at all. You see, we might look at our lives and say, I'm okay, I don't really have any needs, I'm satisfied, I'm rich, I'm content. And Jesus looks at that same situation and he says, No, no, you're actually pitiful, poor, blind, wretched, and naked. And the call is to repent, to be earnest in our pursuit of Jesus, to put off that which hinders us, and to wake up from the spiritual sleep and stupor that we may find ourselves in. Now as I wrap things up here, John wrote these letters under the inspiration and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And they reflect Jesus' heart for us today. He, you see, Jesus is yearning for a close, intimate relationship with you and with me. These letters are, are living proof of, of Jesus' passionate love for the church and for each and every one of us. It's His longing expressed to be close to us. His willingness to sit down and and share his heart and his desire for you is poured out in these letters. And may our our response to this be, as the old hymn writer said, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Search me and cleanse me. And another writer says, Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. May we be drawn nearer to Jesus. May our hearts be turned to Jesus. May our our hearts be on fire for Jesus. And that's the call of these letters to the seven churches. That's the call to us today. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. And Lord, we we just sense your love today. We sense the Holy Spirit drawing us to you. You're, because you yearn for us, you yearn for a relationship with us, that we would walk in truth, that we would walk in purity, that we would walk in holiness, but more than anything, that we would be passionate in our love for you. I pray that for every one of us that's listening today, that that, that would be what we, what we experience, Lord, that we just experience more of Jesus, more of Jesus that nothing else would satisfy us like Jesus does. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, he's calling out to you. You know, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And and why put it off? Why put it off? If you've been pondering the idea of giving your life to Christ, why wait? Hey, it's a great life to live, to serve Jesus, to live for Jesus. There's fulfillment, there's peace, there's joy. There's, there's something that, that we have in knowing Jesus that we can't find anywhere else. And so if you want to accept Christ, just pray a prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. I receive you today. Amen. And if you've done that, hey, why don't you write us, let us know. And if you'd like more information about becoming a a follower of Christ, the same applies. Get in touch with us. clcwinnipeg.ca is our website. You can get get in touch with us through that. If you want to give to to support the church and this ministry and enable us to continue coming to you online, then uh, reach out to us online. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you, and thanks for joining. Bye-bye.